Open your Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 16. We'll get there in a few minutes, but uh, I got a lot of scripture to uh, share with you today, but I'm going to have a few passages from John, so that's probably the base, best place to camp. So John chapter 16, and we'll get there shortly. Today is week five of our series, the start of something big. We started on Easter Sunday because unlike how most people perceive Easter, Easter's not the end, it is the beginning. It is the beginning of something really amazing, really awesome, really important, really incredible. And we are using this cabin on the stage as, as a visual aid to help us understand what Easter was really all about. And we're using it because most of us have this understanding of an idea of a dream home and the process that we go through in order to see this thing come to reality. So just a real quick review of some of the steps that got us to here. It starts with a vision, right? You, you have to have an idea of what you want, where you wanna go, what you wanna accomplish. Once you know what that is, then you have to make sure that you can pay for it. Once you've secured the funding or you know that you will do whatever it takes to acquire the funding, then the next step is to create plans. You, you got to put some, uh, some uh, flesh and bone on this thing to help other people see what you see. You've already seen the vision in your mind, so the plans don't really show you anything new. They help other people understand what it is that you have already envisioned. Once you have that, then you break ground. You, you got to start to dig and, and do the work because most of you probably realize these things don't just magically appear, right? They take work. And so you got to do the work and that starts with breaking the ground. And once you've broken the ground, then you begin to lay the foundation and the framework to, to build everything else on top of uh, that foundation. Now, I don't know if many of you saw um, the Facebook post that went uh, on Facebook last night. I know a lot of you don't do Facebook, but we had a, a ladies huddle after the service last Sunday. Uh, and after that huddle, there was uh, one of the ladies in the church, uh, Linda or Lindy um, Hickok, that shared with me a really cool story and she posted it last night on Facebook and I, in case you didn't see this, I just thought that this was way cool. So last week we talked about building on the foundation of the Bible. You remember that? Okay, so she had encountered a few years ago uh, someone, I don't remember all the story uh, about uh, this particular person, but there was a personal connection and this person was from Houston and uh, they had built a house and their house was in the middle of all that flooding in Houston a few years back. You remember that? When Houston was just under water everywhere. And so she asked this guy, how did, how did their house do? And in their whole neighborhood, they had the one house, one house in the whole neighborhood that did not get a drop of water. And that's pretty awesome, right? And she's asked, what did you attribute that to? When they built their house, he made a request of the builder, and first the builder said, no, that's dumb, I'm not going to do it, but they demanded it. They put a Bible, literally a Bible, in the foundation of the house. They built a foundation on the Word of God, and their house was the only one that had no damage, and because of that, 
it became a place where they were able to bless and minister everybody else in the community. What an awesome story, huh? It's important that we build a foundation on the word of God and then live out in the framework of prayer. Now, once we've got a foundation and we've got a framework, this morning we'll talk about the next step, and this is a very, very important step to me. Once you've got this, you want to put electrical uh, wiring and panels inside your house, and you want to put the mechanicals, the heating and air conditioning, right? Now, I'll tell you, I bought a, back in the 1980s, um, I bought a Suzuki Samurai. Any of you guys remember Suzuki Samurais? I thought that was the coolest little, it was a little Jeep, it was a little knockoff of a Jeep. And uh, I went to buy the, the Samurai and uh, I was buying a, a little uh, rag top that you could take the top off and just drive it with a Jeep with no cover on it. And they did not come with air conditioning. And uh, I'm like, man, I can take the top off. Why in the world would I need air conditioning? This is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna save $1,500 and I'm not gonna buy any air conditioning. Worst mistake of my life. I, just, I swore after that I will never buy another vehicle without air conditioning. Any of the rest of you ever had that moment of enlightenment in a car without air conditioning? It's horrible. It was horrible. It's like taking the top off, it just made my head bake, you know? Like this is not good. And so from that moment on, I'm like, I will never drive a car. I will never purchase a car without air conditioning because I want power and I want comfort. Amen. I want power in my house and I want comfort in my house. When it's cold, I want heat. When it's hot, I want air conditioning. I want both of those things because I'm kind of partial to both. And in all honesty, it's, it's why I don't go camping anymore. The, the army ruined me from camping because when I was in the army, we had neither power nor comfort. I mean, when your night consists of sleeping in a dirt hole that you dug with your spade tool, there was, that was not a lot of fun. It, it just really wasn't. And uh, so I decided, you know, I'm done with camping because I just, I can't shake what camping looked like in the army. And I'm like, I want nothing to do with that anymore. And so for those of you who go camping, God bless you. I will not be joining you. I want power and I want, I want comfort. Now, since we've been here, uh, there's been a couple of occasions where the power has gone out in our house. I'm, probably some of you have had the same experience. Power has gone out in our house for like no apparent reason. There were no storms, no nothing. I'm like, why did the power just go off? And then you get all mad, right? Because you can't turn the TV on, you can't turn your computer on, uh, you can't turn the air conditioning or the heat on. It's just bad. And I realized, you know, as much as that bothers me, and it does bother me, there are some, you know, we have it 99. 10, 8, 9% of the time, right? We have it almost all the time. We never have a problem. That's not true everywhere in the world. Uh, I went on a, a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and uh, Dominican Republic a few years ago. I don't know if you teenagers are going to experience this. You may. But in parts of the world, they don't have the power grid that we've got. And uh, so I'm in the Dominican and while we were there, power went off all the time. I mean, where we were, where we were at, they had a, a huge generator. 
And if they didn't have the generator, there'd be no power because it was like off and on, off and on, off and on. And so they had worked the generator just come on automatically whenever the power goes off because it's, it's a given. And I'm like, man, why in the world is it that bad? Well, we went into town one day and I took a picture of this power pole and uh, this will help you understand. <laughs> and down there on the bottom left, that's a ladder. And that ladder is not there because of a, a, a electrician working with the power company. That's what people do. They just climb up the, the pole and then they just start tapping off of that. <laughs> is it any wonder why power goes off on a regular basis in that part of the Dominican Republic? So I'm like, Lord, thank you that I live somewhere where the power stays on most of the time because reliable Dependable power is incredibly valuable to us, as is the need for comfort and heating. And so while power and comfort is, is important to us in our real life, it is equally important to us in our spiritual life. Power and comfort are critical in our spiritual journey and to the accomplishment of God's vision and God provides for both power and comfort through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit in most cases is probably the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is invaluable to us and to the accomplishment of the vision of God because here's the truth, we just flat out would not be able to carry out the vision and the mission of God without the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, what he provides for us, and what he does to help accomplish God's mission and purpose in us and through us and God's vision for eternity. So I'm going to read a couple of verses, one that I'm sure you're familiar with, one you may not be as familiar with. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is where we will start. Jesus is about to return to heaven. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, the other verse is basically the same case, different writer, but this is in the gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49, and Luke records it this way. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with, what's the next word? power until you're endued with power from on high. Now, in describing the power of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, the Bible paints a really, really interesting picture with the word that is used because the word that we translate as power is a word in the Greek, and you guys know I'm not big on Greek, but once in a while, I think it's really helpful. It comes from the Greek word dunamis, which gives us our English word dynamite. The power of the Holy Spirit is the same word that we get our word dynamite from. Now, I should have the unmitigated attention of every man in the audience this morning because we start talking about dynamite, now it gets really interesting. Dynamite, did he say dynamite? Sweet. Some of you guys, some of you have heard Jerry Clower before. Uh, not everybody here is probably familiar with Jerry Clower, 
But Jerry Clower told a story once that is, I think it's a great example of how fascinated we are with dynamite, especially as guys. Uh, he told the story of a small town in Mississippi uh, where uh, Clyde Ledbetter had been catching catfish and nobody else had been. I mean, every time everybody went out to the, to the lake, nobody caught a blasted thing. But Clyde was coming in with this huge haul of catfish every time he went out. And, and it was just really unsettling to everybody. And so the game warden heard about it and he decided he wanted to go out fishing with Clyde, figure out what in the world was going on, why Clyde was coming in with so much fish and nobody else was. So he got in a boat with Clyde and uh, they get about halfway out in the middle of the lake. Clyde pulls a, a, a tarp back and he pulls out a stick of dynamite. He lights it and he waits till it gets right down to the bottom and then he throws it in the pond and poof, catfish come up all over the place. Clyde goes around and he scoops up all those dead catfish, puts them in the boat. The game warden said, man, you are insane. That is so illegal. You cannot do that. Clyde just reached down. He grabbed another stick of dynamite. He lit it. The fuse got down about this far. He handed it to the game warden. He said, now you're going to talk or you're going to fish. <laughs> we can do pretty cool things with dynamite. We're fascinated by it. And, and guys, the power of the Holy Spirit is the same word for dynamite. So I really want you to dial in this morning. What does this dynamite power of the Holy Spirit do for us and in the accomplishment of God's vision in the world? First of all, he gives you the power to believe. The power to believe. All right. Gospel of John, chapter 6, uh, I'm charged, John chapter 16, beginning in verse 7. Jesus talking to his disciples and he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. He will convict the world of sin. That is the job of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two things that I want to observe real quick from this verse and share with you this morning. If you are here this morning and you are a Christ follower, if you have given your heart to Jesus Christ, if you have sought him out in salvation to receive what he did on the cross for your sin, thank the Holy Spirit this morning. Because it is the Holy Spirit who allowed you to see the truth of the condition of your soul, it is the power of the Holy Spirit who wiped the scales off your eyes to help you see what Jesus did and your need for a savior. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you need to thank the work of the Holy Spirit. Second thing of that is that he will convict the world of sin. Guess what that tells me? It ain't my job. It is not my job. It is not the job of each individual Christian. It is not the job of a particular church 
to go out and convict the world of sin. Somehow or another, we have assumed the job of the Holy Spirit. Can I just suggest to each of us this morning, we are a poor substitute for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. And none of us, none of us will ever be able to accomplish what the Holy Spirit does. We ain't him, he ain't us. That's his job, not ours. And you know, when we go about trying to convict the world of sin, we come off as uh, mean, as cruel, as uncaring, and without compassion for the rest of the world. That's how they hear us. You know why? Because that's not our job to bring guilt and conviction. It is the job of the Holy Spirit. We speak the truth. We point people to Jesus. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit works inside of those words that we use and the the truth that we share to bring about the power for them to understand that they need Jesus. You remember when, when uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and they, were, they were worried about getting pulled in front of the court. You remember that? They well, what are we gonna say? And he said, don't worry about what you're gonna say. Don't worry about what you say. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. I've, I've never ceased to be amazed that in the course of 15 years of preaching, um, there have been more times than I can count, I've talked to somebody after, at the end of a service and they tell me how they were blessed by a certain portion of the sermon and how that spoke to them. And you know what? I didn't even really talk about that. Anybody ever heard that happen before? I didn't even really talk about that in my sermon. And here's somebody who's hearing something I didn't really even address And they go, man, God really, really touched me through that. You think I was smart enough to make that work? Not on your life. That was the Holy Spirit helping somebody hear what they needed to hear, even though that's not even really what I was saying. And as long as we speak the truth in love without attempting to guilt the world, without attempting to convict the world and and make them uh, aware that they need to repent uh, because they're bad, the Holy Spirit will take it and he'll reveal that to them. He'll reveal it to them. And then they'll come to Christ willingly, not out of being pressured in a way that really is not true conversion. So the Holy Spirit gives the power to believe. He also gives the power to evangelize, evangelize. Acts 1.8, we already looked at this. We're going to look at it again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I'm also going to look at John 1.32 because I think that this has a correlation this is, this is Jesus at his baptism. And in John 1, 32, John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. This was at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. I am firmly convinced that the empowerment of the ministry of Jesus was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ministered to Jesus all the time. 
It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to continue and accomplish his ministry. That's why he said we can do the things that he did. Why, are, are any of you Jesus? Not a chance. But the same Holy Spirit that was available to Jesus is available to us. And so it is the Holy Spirit that gives the power to evangelize. And by the way, let me be real clear on, on Acts chapter one, verse eight. You, what's the next word? Shall be. You shall be. Not you might be, you might wanna think about it. If you have a good day and you're feeling like it, it's, it's a, it's a, it'd be a good thing to do maybe once in a while. You shall be witnesses wherever you go. Now, can we just be honest here for a second? Can, it's church, right? We can be honest, right? Um, I think most of us, we're scared to death to talk about our faith with somebody we don't know, aren't we? Truth of the matter is, we're scared to death to talk about our faith even with people we do know. Why do you think that is? Why do you think when we know that our salvation, our eternity rests upon the work of Jesus Christ, that without Christ we are destined for an eternity separated from him, when people that we know and love, we're afraid that they're not already saved, why are we so then afraid to actually speak the truth to them and share Jesus? Acts 1.8 says that we shall be. It's not optional. But apparently, it's incredibly optional for most of us. Hmm, well, maybe, maybe I will, probably I won't. You know why I think most of us are so scared? Because we're trying to do it in our own power instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm doing it in my power, I'm afraid what somebody's gonna think about me. If I'm doing it in my power, I'm afraid what somebody may say to me. If I'm doing it in my power, I'm afraid of what the consequences might wind up being. But if I'm doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, then I can promise you the Holy Spirit isn't too worried. The Holy Spirit goes, I got this. In fact, why don't you flip over to Romans chapter one, verse 16, real quick. It's a verse most of you are familiar with, but I'll just remind you of this, of this verse, Romans 1, 16. Romans 1.16, Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, again, let's just be frank. Most of us are pretty doggone worried about what somebody might think about us if we start talking about our faith too much. We might say I'm not ashamed, but the practical reality is we live like we're ashamed because our words don't come out and spread the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ because it is the power of God. Guess what word that word power is right there? Dynamite. It is the dynamite power. Whose, whose power was compared to that? The Holy Spirit. You know what I think Paul is saying right here? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ 
because it's the power, it is the Holy Spirit who is speaking through me in his dynamite power and he's not afraid of speaking what he knows because he's God. So it's just the Holy Spirit talking through me. I've made peace with that and so I'm not ashamed because the Holy Spirit's not ashamed. I think we struggle with sharing our faith because we're doing it in the flesh instead of relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit also gives us the power to change. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being, what's the next word? Transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by, what's the rest of that? The Spirit of the Lord. Galatians 5, 16, if I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's, it's God's expectation when we come to Christ that we are going to be transformed. And, and let me just make an observation about this. I've said this in different ways at different times. I'm sure I've said it here. The Bible is not simply a book of information. It is a book of transformation. Man, I, I really don't think y'all heard that. The Bible is not just a book of information. It's a book of transformation. See, when we come and we go, well, I got, I got my helping. I got my help and I got some more information about the Bible. I'm good. No, you're not. You are not good. If all you're seeking is some additional facts and figures and some additional information about the word of God, you've got it all wrong. This book is about changing things. This book is about changing lives. This book is about changing eternities. And information isn't going to cut it in relation to this book. This book expects and requires and leads to transformation. And when we walk only in the information of God's word instead of the power of the Holy Spirit, we keep living just like we always did. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands because we'd all be embarrassed. But how many of you found yourself doing some certain things over and over again? You think, man, why do I keep doing that? I think if we raised our hands, probably every hand in the, in the building would go up. Why do we keep doing that? It's because we're not looking at transformation. We're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know why? Because information, I, I just process that, process that in a mental way. That's knowledge, big deal. I'm gonna live the way I live. But the Spirit covers us all and the power of the Holy Spirit takes that information and starts to do transformational work in our lives. Lastly, the power to persevere. Philippians chapter one, verse 19 Paul says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply 
of the spirit of Jesus will turn out for my deliverance. Paul's going through a hard thing. It'll turn out for my deliverance. I'm going to persevere through this. I'm going to make it through this. How and why? Because of your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us get through those hard things, those hard times in life. Even, I mean, I I think sometimes we struggle with this in our Christian faith, but listen, even the world, Gatorade, Gatorade understands this. Watch this old commercial. Comfort. It's where you go. It's not what you drive. It's what drives you. It's not what's on you. It's what's in you. Gatorade. Is it in you? Everybody wants to be like Mike. By the way, if there's any LeBron fans here this morning, get over it. Michael Jordan is still the best. (laughs) A Gatorade commercial, of all things, says it's not where you come from, it's where you're going. It's not what you drive, it's what drives you. It's not what's on you, it's what's in you. And then they ask a question, Gatorade, is it in you? Is it in you? The Holy Spirit, is it in you? If you became a follower of Jesus Christ, he promises the Holy Spirit but you gotta let the Holy Spirit come out. And if you do, the Holy Spirit will be what drives you. The Holy Spirit will be what guides you. The Holy Spirit will be what gives you the power to persevere and overcome. It is the Holy Spirit's power that enables us to do the things that we've talked about already. We'll put this slide up on the screen. It gives us the power to believe It gives us the power to share God's love with everybody else. It gives us the ability to change, to stop doing those things we've always done and we're doing them yet again. It gives us the power to get through those hard seasons in life when you are just ready to throw in the towel and quit. When everything you've got in your life has been depleted, physically going back to the Gatorade commercial, you need certain things in your body to keep going. And if they're not there, you'll just come to a grinding halt. In our, in our real life, in our spiritual life, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us actively to be able to navigate those hard, difficult seasons of life. Or guess what will happen? We'll just come to a grinding halt. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward. How do you press forward? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gives us comfort. So I want to talk real quickly about the comfort of the Holy Spirit because, man, I like the power. I like the power. I want to know that when I go in, I can flip on lights and I can turn things on. I want the power. Man, do I want the comfort too. And the Holy Spirit not only gives power, he gives 
comfort. John 14, 16, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Version, and I'll explain why in just a moment. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And then in parentheses, he has counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. Now back to John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. See, the Greek word for, that is translated as comforter there is a, is, a, is a word called paraclete. And in the King James Version, which I grew up with, we, we call that the, the comforter. And in the Amplified Version, when you read that verse, that's the first word that we get to is the comforter, the paraclete. But there's, there's a whole lot more wrapped up in this word paraclete, and it's, it's comforter, and then he lists all the other things in, in the Amplified Version, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. It literally means call to your side to aid. How awesome is it that God designed through the, the Trinity for the Holy Spirit, when we receive Christ as our Savior, to be that constant companion and with us every step of the way. Um, some of you may have uh, seen Leslie's post on Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago. My folks were coming. They were here for Mother's Day. But um, Leslie, you know, always, like most of you ladies, if, if family's coming, you want the house to look good. And she was out working in the yard. She fell. She hurt her back. Well, she didn't fall. She tried to pull something out of the ground and just really pulled back, and she, she's down to the ground. She told me, she goes, I thought I was going to be in the yard until you got home. I thought I was going to lay out there in the yard until you got home. Now, some of you may have been in, in a place like that where all of a sudden, man, I mean, you're down, and you, you can't move. You don't know what you're going to do. And how, how nerve-wracking is it when you find yourself in one of those moments and there is nobody there to help. God said he's going to send the comforter. He's going to send the helper. He's going to send the strengthener. He's going to be the one to stand by you, by your side all the time. Whatever life brings you, God said, I've got a, a counselor, a comforter, a helper that's going to walk through every bit of it with you. Three things real quick. This is the things that he comforts us in and more. Number one is comfort in need. Comfort in need. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, doesn't that just sound stupid? I mean, honestly, any of you guys going to go home and have everything fall apart today? You're going to like, oh, tribulations, it's awesome. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, when I go home, I want power and comfort. I don't want tribulation. But Paul says, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Oh, boy, we want some more of that, don't we? And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by, what's the next three words? The Holy Spirit. You know what Paul is saying? This is so cool. Everybody here this morning, 
you've either gone through some hard stuff or you're going to. You're going to. And Paul said, I glory in tribulations. You know why? Because it is in those moments that I get to experience the love and the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit in more ways than I normally do. Well, that's a completely different way to look at the difficulties of life, isn't it? Paul said, I glory in them. Why? Because I know the presence of the Holy Spirit in a deeper way than I do in my normal day-to-day life. So he comforts us in need. Comforts us in grief. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what Paul says here? He says, sometimes life gets so hard that you go, you try to pray and you can't even form words. Have any of you ever been in that place? Raise your hand. I have been too. Where there's such difficulty going on, such hurt, and you try to pray and you can't even pray. You can't even form words in your mind. You can't make words come together. And God says the Holy Spirit in those moments of such immense grief that you can't even make words connect. He says, I love you. I'm here for you. And I will intercede and I will pray for you. Because you can't even do it for yourself right now. What a promise. What a blessing. That we have a comforter that will be there when nobody else is and can do what nobody else can do. And that will pray for us on our behalf when we're in those deep seasons of grief. One last point, I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform. Comfort in daily life. I love this one. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, they had peace. They were edified. And they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that because they were walking in peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, what happened? What are the next three words? They were multiplied. How amazing is that? You know what he's saying here? Is that the comfort of the Holy Spirit in our daily life, when we actually begin to walk in the power and the presence and the comfort and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, when we stop trying to live our lives the way our flesh tells us to live it, when we stop trying to make things line up the way we think that they ought to line up, 
when we stop trying to organize and order the world around us in a way that makes sense to us, when we simply start trusting the guidance and the wisdom and the insight, the power and the comfort of the Holy Spirit in our daily life, you know what happens? Things grow around us because we become light. We become hope. We become refreshment. We become full of joy. We have that peace that passes all understanding because the Holy Spirit is the one guiding and leading and we're resting in his power and his comfort. And people around us go, man, I don't know what it is with you, but I want some of that. And as we do that, then God's vision for eternity to build a family is moved forward. The family has grown. People are added to the family. We're more committed to the family because we're walking in that peace and that comfort, that power and that promise. You might be here this morning and it feels like the world is spinning a little off axis for you. Like there's questions that you've got, but you cannot come up with all the answers. That's intentional. Do you know that? There are answers to this life you're not meant to know. Why? Because God meant for that to drive you to Jesus. God meant for those big blanks, those big question marks in your life, he meant for those to drive you to him. And you will never find solutions to those things that are bothering you until and unless you bow your heart, you bow your knee, and you confess that you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Some of you here this morning, the Holy Spirit is an afterthought in your life. This, this has been more about information for you than transformation. You show up to Sunday Sync, you show up to church service, you just expect the preacher or the, the, the class, the teacher, give you a little bit of information and you feel like you, you did something good. You, 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 you become a better Christian. No, you don't. Because this is not about how much you know about this. This is about how much it's changing you. And you need this morning to lean into the Holy Spirit, walk in his power, trust his power, receive his comfort, not only in the seasons of, of difficulty, but in daily life so that you become that refreshing place for the people around you. I want to ask everybody to close their eyes, bow their head. We have a moment of prayer. If you're here this morning, And if you've got questions, life just isn't working out like you want it to. And the truth is, you're not sure if you really are in the family of Jesus. If anyone here has that uncertainty this morning, nobody is looking except me. Would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Anybody here this morning that says, I just don't know if I'm actually in the family of God. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know that heaven is my home. Anyone here this morning? I see one hand. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? With every head still bowed and every eye closed, 
There's two hands. Thank you. I'm going to ask the two of you that raised your hand to look at me for just a moment. Nobody else is looking. If you raised your hand, would you look at me? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I want to lead you in a prayer. This is all, this is just between you and me and the Lord. But if you want that peace in your heart, if you want that peace in your spirit, if you'll pray with me, the Lord will come in and he'll change everything about your life. So let's pray. You pray quietly where you are. Dear Lord, I confess to you this morning that life isn't working the way I thought it would, the way I want it to. Lord, would you forgive my sin? Would you come into my heart this morning? Would you welcome me into your family? And Lord, honestly, I don't know what all that means this morning. But I know something needs to change. Lord, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you offer me something that I'm not experiencing now. So Lord, I receive you. I ask you to save me in Jesus' name. No one is looking. It's just me and the two of you. Did you pray with me? Did you pray with me? All right, in a moment, we're all going to stand. The altar is going to be open for everyone. But I'm going to ask you to have the courage to, to meet me. Just step out here and talk to me. It will not be embarrassing. People are excited when people can become part of the family that we're all part of. All right? I'm going to ask everyone to stand. God, as we begin to sing, I pray that people all over this congregation, Lord, would just move to have freedom, God, to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and to just come and let you have your way in each life and in this church, in Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open. The band and the worship team are singing. Church, please don't stay where you are this morning. Come let the Holy Spirit work in your life. And I'm asking the two of you to pray with me. Come meet with me for a moment right now.
there's freedom. We are so glad and so thankful for that this morning. That when we let God have his way, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. We need to celebrate this morning. We had two beautiful young people who prayed and accepted Christ as their Savior this morning. Amen. That's building the family of God. That's his vision. And we participated in that vision today. And church, we can participate in that vision over and over and over again. Amen? Let's make it our goal as a church, as a body, as a congregation, to make sure that that door is opening into the family of God every week as we see new people get added to the kingdom and the family of Christ. Amen?